Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, good to have you with us today. It's great to be with you again, Dr. Paul. Very good. Looking forward to our little meeting we have up uh, in Virginia, and I'll be seeing you up there since we don't work out of the same office, and we're looking forward to that. I'm sure a lot of our viewers that tune into this program will be there, so we're looking forward uh, to having uh, our meeting and, uh, and dealing with these ideas that are so important. You know, I, I imagine it's been not too long ago, probably within the last week, Chris, you and I talked about uh, you know, the crack up boom and trying to explain it and to look into Mises for an explanation to tell, to try to get people to understand exactly what happens. And uh, it's not all that complicated because it's happened so many times. That's when uh, inflation of the money supply, the, the uh, money managers get out of hand and all they can do to solve their problems is print more and more. And it, it's an addiction to it. And finally, the currency loses its value. And then there's a rush to the exits and the dollars or the other or currency that they're dealing with has to go into something else because they've, they've given up confidence in the current system. And we did talk about that, but we had a few people, Chris, you know, that wrote in and said, yeah, but tell us what to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, we know. We understand that. This is a mess. Runaway inflation is bad. Uh, we know the history, but it's, uh, we, we'd like some practical thing to do. And, you know, Chris, this is a tough one because uh, there are a lot of unknowns, even when you know what causes something, and even though you know something is coming, its very nature is not known to us because uh, there could be an event next month, next year, or two years from now where the event causes the rush for the exits. People want to get out of dollars. They dump dollars. They buy stuff. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, the biggest the biggest challenge under those conditions is the loss of liberty because the government and the people will want help. And it will be then when the desire for the government helping out means send us more money to pay our bills uh, instead of helping temporarily, like it's helped this past year with COVID. The money has been out there and a lot of people have made their payments, uh, uh, but they did, they, a lot of them quit working. They're depending on those checks and they're, and they're not, uh, they don't take jobs. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, they're feeling better, but eventually, you know, the monetary bailouts can't continue to bail out, and that's when people lose confidence. And uh, that's, that's what we're approaching. And I find it, it difficult to say, well, A, B, C, D. Now, Chris and I are going to try to do a little bit of that A, B, C, D of what would happen. But for me, it is so much easier, and it's just such a shame that we can't be working on the prevention and the prevention should have been done years ago and uh, because this is subtle, it's insidious. It began when the Federal Reserve was created and all the activity has happened over the years. And now we're at a point of runaway spending. You know, uh, just the wars that we fought in this century, we spent $8 trillion and uh, that's a lot of money. We were engaged in killing a million people and uh, that's on both sides of all these wars. It's, it's just a horrendous situation. So yeah, it's easy to say, you know, uh, if somebody's been smoking too much and could have a, a cancer of the lung, you know, it's real easy to say what the prevention is, but we need the information first. And so when the, when, when the economic and social cancer hits us, 
it's a lot tougher. But we do have we do have uh, uh, things that can be done because uh, people have planned and know what's happening. But one of the I'm going to start with making the first suggestion is an, a, a, if you're concerned about that, you should know where your friends are. Because traditionally when a crisis came and governments were more trustworthy, you said, you know, the government's going to help me. And because there was so much wealth, uh, uh, the passing out of money was helpful. But uh, that's uh, right now even temporarily listening to the government it's not helpful the judicial system is not in very good shape so uh, we we can't do that we can't expect the government to so I think it's very neat and a good place to start is uh, you know thinking about the viewers that we have on this program and the conferences we have because people meet each other at these conferences and I think these associations are good and they're voluntary and individuals will find different things to do. Maybe geographically they live in similar places. Some people may live on a farm, maybe live on a city. So this, these are a lot of variables on, on what to do. Some will have saved uh, precious metals to be used in emergency and be able to purchase some of the uh, things that they need. But uh, it, it is something that I think is very, very valuable to know your friends. You could start with uh, your family, your families and your neighbors, your community, your church. And, and it really, it should be philosophic, too. One thing that I find a real shame, what has gone on now, is uh, the split in the families over COVID. The, the, uh, the people, the propagandists about, you know, uh, if you don't mask and you don't, uh, uh, you know, go to lockdown and all these things that uh, you're doing hateful things, you're killing people. And this is split families. Families go out at each other uh, because it's, uh, it's sort of, uh, they've been indoctrinated and it will split families. So that's why it's very important. If you're looking for getting a group together and at least talking together and making some plans, uh, they should be on the same wavelength when it comes to what the role of government ought to be. So, Rick, that's the first thing that I'm going to mention here. Uh, what might you say about this? Uh, that's great, uh, a great start, Dr. Paul. And we are living in historic times. We are experiencing something that has never existed before, where the entire planet is being pressured to take a medical treatment and have their movements controlled. And at the same time, we have the biggest financial bubble to encompass the entire planet at the same time. Now, uh, one thing we could count on is that people in power do not know what they're doing. They don't know what to expect. And at the same time, we really don't either because nothing like this has happened before. So the best we can do is to ask us to those questions are going to be different for all of us because we all live in different places and different local environments. So you ask yourself, what if, what if the ATMs close? And imagine that they closed right now. Are you ready for that? Do you have cash? Uh, are you able to handle that? Uh, what if someday it's possible that the cash itself becomes worthless? Uh, my grandparents lived under communism. They told me stories about how they used to throw stacks of cash into the fireplace to keep them warm and how crazy it was. They didn't want to do it. But it was worthless, so that's how they kept themselves warm with cash. Um, what if uh, there's shortages at the supermarket? Do you have a food savings account in your house? So all these, what happens if? What what if? What if? What if? We each have to ask those questions and be able to answer them for ourselves in order to survive. Very good. 
I'm going to uh, mention four categories of areas where we should work. And these are, these are not the complete answers, but these are th things that we have to think about, uh, especially now with COVID, uh, the health issue is, a, is an issue. And uh, one thing that I think is beneficial is coming out of this COVID, there's been a lot of people been introduced to more natural uh, remedies. Uh, even now, uh, even the CDC has softened a position on the, on the use of, uh, of natural remedies, uh, even though it's insincere from my viewpoint. But uh, so I think the, uh, uh, when, when you're talking about uh, what to do and prepare, understanding your needs because your needs are going to be different if you're a diabetic uh, your preser uh, pre preservation of, of what you might need in an emergency the emergency might be one week it might be a month it might be a year you, you don't know but uh, it's just like if you're going on a trip uh, if you have medical conditions uh, heart medicine or, or diabetic medicine you might uh, be able to uh, make those plans and, and reach other people to have the same interest I think the other thing that uh, should be done is the protection of wealth uh, and you have to be selfish you know you know if if you're protecting your own stuff you're selfish and greedy but uh, if you give away uh, somebody else's wealth you're a hero and you're a humanitarian so that's the craziness of it all and I keep thinking they criticize people for being selfish and taking care of themselves did you ever think about what the world would be like if everybody did it, every individual assumed responsibility for themselves, you know, what would it be like? It would take a lot of pressure off those uh, uh, in, in government to try to uh, coerce everybody. But there is that old argument about people who become dependent and that like the government to take care of them versus uh, people understanding that if you really want to be taken care of and say you have to have some self-reliance. So I think protection of wealth is very important. Owning the best you can on property that might be useful in a time of emergency but that's a tough one because how many people live in the cities versus in the rural area you know in the, in the Great Depression of the 30s you know like, like 80% of the people or more didn't live in the cities they were rural people and they they could do more things and uh, even though they had a lot of controls on what they could do they regulated crops and everything else and did things wrong but there are places and things that people can do that own some land and make a decision on how it can be used and that could be done by individuals or a group of people. I think the other thing that people can do think about when they're talking about what do we do? You know, I happen to uh, you know be a strong believer in the Constitution, strong believer in the Bill of Rights, a strong believer in the Second Amendment, but I have not had a natural inclination to saying, you know, uh, I, you want me to protect you because I'm a good shot or something like that. No, I want I want to know somebody that believes as I do and are willing to uh, help uh, develop a protection system. So therefore, I, I think that is one thing that is probably pretty good in this country. Uh, I, I hope that, uh, uh, the, you know, that the uh, effort, they're going to control the ammunition and they'll try to control guns and they'll do it in the judicial system. They'll do it through legislation. But ultimately, if it gets really, really bad, if we end up with a Venezuela, you know, having a gun would be a good protection. And uh, in my case, I'm going to look for some help and I might be able to use uh, some of my silver coins, you know, to find that help. And that to me is uh, very important. But ultimately, I want to be with people who cherish their liberty that they want to, they're willing to fight and struggle and resist 
And that's why we can identify the people willing to take risk because it's tough under COVID to, to take those risks. And it's, it's hard to sort it out because everybody who's resisting and not doing exactly you think what they should do on, on COVID and lockdown and these things out. Because some people, if they totally lose their every ounce of income, if they do something uh, to, currently, but resisting under reasonable conditions that you can figure out, uh, I think the more people can resist, and I think that's improving. A lot more people are resisting than ever. So I would be looking for people who have, have that ability and to, to do it and desire and an understanding what liberty is all about and how that's worked into the uh, non-aggression principle where people cannot initiate force against another one for their personal benefit. That's right, Dr. Paul. And, you know, liberty is smeared, it's not surprising, as being selfish, as you talked about, but it's the exact opposite. The core principle of the ideas of liberty is first, do no harm. No violent force to get what you want from others. Don't harm them. Don't harm their property. Now, does do no harm sound like selfish to you? It's garbage, that smear, but that's that's what they use. You know, we need each other. That's why we don't want to harm each other, you know? So Dr. Paul made that uh, great point that we need each other to, to have communities. And I do want to recommend others because we don't need to be in the same physical space uh, as other people that are like us. There are websites that I'd recommend. The first one is uh, it's called iceagefarmer.com. And that's run by a man named Chris, Christian Westbrook. And he has his finger on the pulse of food, shipping, transportation. That's the guy when you want to know what's going on with our food systems, uh, the supply lines, that's the guy. Uh, Next is someone that I'm sure most of our people or many of them have heard of, and that's James Corbett. And that is CorbettReport.com. And he has something called Solutions Watch that he does, I'm guessing, every week. I never miss one. And all they do is think about solutions for people that are liberty-minded. This is what you can do. This is, these are some of the things. These are workarounds. And uh, the third one is a guy named Jack Spearco, and he is at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Again, these, all three of these are big communities of people, like-minded people, that you can go there, uh, chat with them, comments. They're very active, and they're all about uh, you know, getting us through this unbelievably difficult time that we're going through very very good you know i i have to make another confession that if i had to depend on my own ability to raise all the food i need uh, it is tough i i really have come to believe in the division of labor but that doesn't mean that you ignore what other people can do and how you can uh, coordinate things with with others and, uh, you know, when I first really got to study and all this was in the late 60s and the prediction of the breakdown of Bretton Woods was coming and gold was $35 an ounce and silver was a, a, a buck 29 an ounce that uh, it, the people knew that was coming and they started, uh, you know, buying it and preparing. And uh, there was really bad times in the 70s, but it never got to this crack up boom but it was getting uh, pretty close. 
But I think that if you can't do everything, if you, uh, you there, there's a few people we know that are very, very capable of uh, being self-sustaining and producing their own electrical power and raising their crops. I guess the most I say, I have a small place here in Lake Jackson. I have a couple cows and uh, we have a lot of wild pigs, but believe me, I don't want to depend on them. So what do, you, what do you do if you admit that you don't have the ability to provide for your needs? And that is, I, I think it comes to uh, purchasing power. Uh, when, when, and for very short periods of time, Federal Reserve notes might be helpful to you. You know, if the bank's closed and it's a three-day deal, maybe that is helpful. And uh, it, it can't hurt anything other than the fact that uh, they could depreciate very quickly. But long term, even back in the early 70s when this first started, uh, their coin dealers uh, uh, were popping up. And one of the strongest advice that they gave then, and they still give it now, <clears throat> if people don't have any coins, uh, the advice generally has been uh, get what they call joint, junk silver. Junk silver just means that it's the old silver coinage uh, of U.S. coinage. And back then, even now, the argument is it's recognizable and it has a silver content. What was once $1.29 a pound and, and uh, an ounce uh, now, now is uh, $16 or so. It, it's way up. But a lot of people argue it's even rigged and yet it's still a haven. And believe me, under these conditions, people will take what you call junk silver, old silver dollars. But in, <clears throat> in current times, the coin that I like the best, uh, and uh, I, I still use it for uh, gifting to my children, uh, and uh, because I was always a coin collector, and I like that idea, and some of my kids are into that, and that is the Silver Eagle, the U.S. Silver Eagle. It's a pure silver ounce, and it's recognizable. I think it might be the most popular coin in the world, so other people will recognize it, and although silver prices aren't as high as some have predicted, I think under these circumstances, it might be able to buy a little bit of a temporary help and help you survive and let other people provide but you have to have it because there will there under these circumstances throughout the world when conditions get this bad there's always a a uh, they call it the black market but it's really the the real market people do exchange goods but bartering is very inefficient and uh, and 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 uh, the metals are very practical. So if we have those, and I would say, well, you know, people will say, yeah, but you started back in 1971, and your your silver coins, you know, uh, have good purchasing power. Well, when things move rapidly, the purchasing power uh, for silver and gold will still go up because they're not going to quit printing the money. I mean, what, right now we're in a curse. The problem, <clears throat> the problem that we have right now is we're not paying for just sustaining what we have. We're bearing the burden of the debt that has been run up over all these years. And the, the amount of debt this government has and many other people have and the world has has to be liquidated. That's what the market wants. There's too much debt because if interest rates go up this much, it's going to wipe out everybody. And uh, there's too, too, much, too much debt liquidation as well as we need the malinvestment, the easy credit that's been going on for the last couple of years, making investments. You will see it. There'll be houses once again that there would be some malinvestment. There'll be bubbles all over. I saw today there was a story about the, the bubble in uh, fancy old cars. That sounds like a lot of fun. And 
and and yet the prices are skyrocketing but uh, it'll go into different things but the malinvestment the goal of the marketplace is to liquidate the debt and uh, it will not be liquidated by the American people demanding that the Congress live within its means and collect more than it spends and pay off the debt not going to happen this is going to continue until uh, I personally believe there'll be a crack up boom. But I also personally don't want to say when it's going to happen next month or next year or, or whenever, because these events aren't pr predictable and you can't predict the human action of governments. The authoritarianism is our biggest threat. How are they going to come down on us? And just think of how, how authoritarianism has thrived these past 18 months over the scare tactics of COVID. Excellent, Dr. Paul. I'll finish up by saying that we always, our entire lives, live in a, uh, a life of uncertainty. Uh, the, the complexity of life is infinite. You can't put borders around it. You can't index it. Um, but, you know, when you listen to authoritarians, they speak with absolute certainty. This is how it's going to be. We're going to put chips in everybody. We're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. They're always telling you how it's going to be. You know, and that is how it's always been with authoritarians. You can go back to the Soviet times, the new Soviet man that they were going to create. You should read about this Superman that they were going to create. They created nothing but starvation and poverty because it's all in their imaginations. And we can do the same thing. We could imagine things too. We could imagine a society of perfect liberty where no one steals from anyone else or uses politicians to steal or uses aggression. We could imagine that in our minds, but you know, we can't say with certainty that this is how the world is going to be. It's not going to be. We're not going to live uh, in a world of perfect liberty because we have free will, we have the choice, to choose yes or no with everything that we do. And in that type of environment that we live in, ideas can dominate, liberty, tyranny. Right now, the ideas of tyranny are dominating and we wanna reverse that. We want the ideas of liberty to dominate. Leave people alone, don't take their stuff. Don't try to force them to take medical injections. Don't try to take their money. You know, all the basic stuff that goes back to the 10 commandments. So when, if the ideas of liberty are to dominate someday, it'll be the exact opposite of now, where we see just a spiral downward and people are, you know, what do you do? It could be the exact opposite upwards, where life flourishes because people respect one another and their property and their lives. Chris, that's very good. And that's exactly what we need to uh, dwell on, is trying to get people to understand what freedom is all about and participate in it. And I think the little outline that I have here, bringing people together and dealing with the subject of wealth and health and safety and also our personal liberty, that people will be together. Because uh, the rebirth of liberty is, is necessary. The information is out there. The internet, in spite of its many, many shortcomings, and there's the many, many censors out there who would like to, to close us down, they can't do it. They can't do it. They, they, they just can't stop an idea whose time has come. And believe me, that time is coming when it's going to be very, very necessary. And I think the people are out there, they're much more numerous than uh, most people will, will admit. 
and uh, getting groups together and emphasizing the volunteerism that is necessary, uh, that, that to me sets the, sets the stage for a renewal. Uh, under today's conditions, if, uh, if you went out, even if you had a, a president that uh, said he was going to do this and, and imp improvise by putting this in place right now. The people aren't ready for this. But the, the message is there. It's growing by leaps and bounds. It's available to us. The internet can be helpful to us. And th then uh, the numbers, the numbers as far as, uh, you know, achieving our goals is that you don't need 51%. You eventually need the majority of people to endorse ideas, but the spread of ideas uh, will be done by a smaller group of people. The small group of people, how many true Marxists do you think there are in this government, or in this country? I think, I'll bet there aren't that many, but boy, are they in the right places. You know, the Soros's of the world, in their open society, they have achieved unbelievable success because they understood this issue, and now we have open uh, information coming about the cultural Marxism that is going to save America. And they, there they are, we far outnumber them. And of course, our ideas, I'm convinced, are far superior to that of the authoritarianism of cultural or any type of authoritarianism. And certainly this cultural Marxism is rubbing a lot of people the wrong way and people are being awakened. So when this uh, crisis hits, uh, hopefully it will be minimized by people reacting in a wise manner. But it is also an opportunity to prevent the case for, uh, you know, peace and prosperity and doing this by emphasizing what personal liberty is all about. Thank you very much today for turning in to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.